Welcome to Anoxa Dynasty Podcast. I am your host, Jordan McNamara, and this is the post-NFL draft show reacting to the NFL draft, the uh, NFL uh, undrafted free agents, and we've started rookie drafts, and you know, I think it's a, it's a really interesting time in terms of everything that's going on. You get a lot of different movement. You get a lot of people uh, moving up draft boards to try and attack, uh, you know, whether certain tiers um, and, and attack the rookie draft class. I think that's created some value in, in with some veterans. Um, so that's always something to be, uh, you know, be cognizant of and be, uh, be aware of in your draft plan. Um, so that's some of the stuff that's going on, uh, you know, and, and so I just wanted to jump in here and, and talk a little bit about some of the things that I'm seeing in the market. And I'm not going to do a full on rookie rundown. You know, I, I have a rookie board that I put out uh, at the uh, the Analytics Dynasty Patreon side. So you can go there, check that out. It's part of the Dynasty uh, patron uh uh, level so you can go check that out uh, as well as all the podcasts i've been doing uh, i've been doing a podcast a day since i think it's march 16th so going on seven weeks now of of daily podcasts uh, talking about all different types of topics uh, and and some of the data that i've been using including but not limited to um, the startup draft tracker that i've been using uh, that has data that you can look at you can see give you an idea on where uh, where players are going and some of the movement that we've seen pre and post draft so there's players that are really moving in valuation um, and and a couple a handful of them are players that we haven't really talked about so that haven't really been widely discussed uh, and so it's an interesting I think it's a really interesting way to look at look at players is to have up to the minute data on them not a static uh, static point with a small sample size in terms of uh, what the market value is but a ever-evolving and sort of rolling uh, sample of, of data that will actually tell you you know, where are players going now? What direction are they moving in? How is the market reacting? So you can find all that over at patreon.com slash analytics of dynasty. I also have a Sunday night uh, analytics of dynasty group me uh, or a analytics of dynasty Patreon um, live show. So 930, I send out a link uh, on Sunday nights, Eastern time, send out a link. We get together about an hour or so, take questions, talk about things. Um, and so you can get in, be a part of that as well. So analyticsdynasty.com slash uh, patreon.com slash analytics of dynasty. Um, and you can also go over to get the books at uh, the analytics of dynasty's website, which is analyticsdynasty.com slash shop. Um, and you can find both the 2020 edition and the 2019 edition in there. There's really, really valuable rookie draft data in both books. Um, in particular, the 2020 book, looking at the 2019 class. And I have a bunch of data in there that will just help you not make critical mistakes and there are critical mistakes that are being made just in terms of a hit rate uh, in terms of a probability perspective um, in terms of just making optimized investments with your picks uh, and with your draft selections and and just all of those uh, decisions that you're making right now to try and better your team the book will help you do that better so um, there's plenty of data plenty of 
you know, if you're not all in on data, there's a lot of written stuff in there too about how you can make some more effective, um, you know, more effective decisions. And I did that a lot of, a lot through a lot of the um, the 2019 class. So, and th the way that this draft class is unfolding, it's a very, very different, but also some critical, uh, critical things that are very similar. So, um, so let's uh, break down the uh, some of the stuff in the 2019 or in the 2020 class. Um, you know, I, I think the the Superflex data that I've been tracking, um, you know, it's showing Joe Burrow's uh, first overall, and he's not a consensus 101. So I, I think that's an important thing to consider. Um, you know, he's going 101 essentially in, um, you know, in 77% of the drafts that I'm tracking. So three out of four. Um, interestingly, Clyde Edwards-Alaire is going uh, more often at 101 than Jonathan Taylor, but has an ADP worse. So essentially what you're seeing is he is more apt to be 101, but almost across the board, Taylor's uh, number two. So you'll occasionally see a time where Clyde Edwards-Alaire will jump up to, um, to one, but Jonathan Taylor is more apt to be ahead of Clyde Edwards-Alaire um, in giraffes that aren't those. So I think that's an interesting thing. That's contrarian data. Um, so I've seen other places and other sources say Clyde Edwards-Alaire is the 101 in this class. That's not reflected in what's happening in the market. So I think that's important. Information to know. Um, so uh, those, you know, and you, you're sort of seeing a tier of running backs uh, up there at the at the top. Um, yeah, I think I think it's an that's not. I don't think that's that's wrong, um, but I think it's it's an interesting year in terms of. It feels a lot like a couple years ago where you had, you know, eight running backs go off, and then four wide receivers at the end of you know and, and start one leagues that's an interesting thing when you get that run of players and a couple years ago it was quarterbacks you know you got three or four quarterbacks that were going right off the board um and that was the baker mayfield year um so you know that you're seeing the some of those things um I, i'll note that it is interesting that clyde that that some of the um some of the movement in in these uh you know in in the draft um it is pretty is pretty interesting in terms of where these guys are going in startup drafts so while burrow's going 101 in in rookie drafts he is not going 101 in terms of rookies and startup drafts so you continue to see this inefficiency happening where he is going essentially 27 uh, overall in the post-drafts. I think there's about 10 to 12 that I've tracked in terms of uh, startup drafts that have gone off after the NFL draft, so call it in the last week. Um, so that's some good data relatively quickly. You know, you're seeing some of the, the other stuff you see out there smaller. Um, it's smaller, and I'm not sure it's all the way out yet. You know, we get this evolving or rolling basis of data 
think it's, it's really important to know. Um, and so he's going 27-7, so that's quarterback nine. But that's running, that's rookie three. Clyde Edwards-Alaire is going 20.9. Um, so that is uh, 42 spots better than he was pre-draft. Um, so a big, big jump. I mean, three and a half rounds of, of jump in terms of valuation. Firmly in there into the second uh, into the second round. Historically, the start uh, the 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 rookie 101 in um, in start one leagues. So in non, yeah, I don't have as much superflex data going back um, in terms of ADP. So I, I I don't you know usually feel that comfortable incorporating those uh, types of things because I only have. I only have really three or so years that I trust. Um, but if you sort of subtract out the quarterbacks that are going ahead of the running backs, uh, ahead of Clyde Edwards-Alaire uh, and Jonathan Taylor, uh, that's only Russell Wilson, uh, Deshaun Watson, Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson, and um, uh, Dak Prescott as well. I, I missed him, sorry. Um, and Patrick Mahomes. So you're seeing... Um, you know, six or so quarterbacks, uh, I would say in most drafts are going ahead of these. And then you sort of come down, there's a, there's a tier break or so. Um, and then the other quarterbacks really slot in after, after that. So, uh, you know, you call it six, six quarterbacks. You take those guys out. Say you take one, uh, you leave one or two in there ahead of the guys. I mean, usually you'll see around two quarterback. Uh, I think Mahomes would qualify. Um, in terms of like a round two historically. Um, so, you know, you sort of, all right, say you move that rookie spot up five picks. Um, so that Superflex ADP, instead of being, you know, 19.8, you say that's about 14.8. Um, with Clyde edwards um, you know, he's 20.9. You say that's about 15.9. Historically, the 101 goes at, at 20 overall. And the 102 goes at 30, right about 32 overall, 31, 32 overall. So what you're seeing is just a massive uptick. Um, and if you sort of look down the line a little bit, you know, DeAndre Swift is ahead of that 102 historical spot. J.K. Dobbins as well as, uh, as ahead of it as well. Um, Cam Akers ahead of it as well. So you basically have five guys this year that are going in ADP at or above what you would expect the 102 to go in a normal year. That's how good this class is. That's how good this class is. Um, you know, that's that's the level of quality in this class. Uh, so, uh, and you're basically seeing two guys go ahead of where the normal 101 goes um, and five guys total ahead of the 102. That's a that's a really good class. If you look at the class too from a different perspective, yeah, there's debates on you know how valuable rookies are, and, and these these debates happen, and it fuels you know it fuels dynasty. Um, but you can't really deny how good this class is in terms of in terms of uh, historical comparisons. Uh, I mean, I looked at, I looked back at data going back. Uh, a, a long time. <laughs> and what I found was 
this class has uh, amongst the most pedigree that that we have seen uh and there's some different ways to measure that uh whether that is through um you know i one metric that i like to use is the is the uh, jimmy johnson trade chart which tells you essentially how much picks are worth um that's something that i like to use in terms of just just putting uh teams to that putting players uh, to that uh that number just so you sort of get an idea of of where of where players and, and teams go uh and and what in different years and those sorts of things this year uh just a, a really stout year in terms of in terms of those sorts of things um you know you just sort of look and um this year uh up there with um, you know, at a quarterback, it's well ahead of average. Uh, running back a little bit below average, but you didn't have a top 10 pick. Um, you didn't have a, you know, that really shifts the numbers. So when you sort of take out the top 10 picks out of the 18, 17 class, it's just right on par with them. Uh, it's actually ahead of them. So you know that's that's a really good sign. Well, the wide receiver class is one of the best classes um, in the past. You know, go back to 08. Uh, it's right just below uh, 14 and 15 in terms of uh, total of that trade value that I that I referenced. However, when you when you take out the fact that there wasn't a you didn't have a pick at four right that were there in those classes you didn't have multiple top 10 picks i mean that's just how deep this class is so just really really deep uh and you know tight end not not that good um but you know this is a, a, a just an excellent class all across the board um especially when you consider some of the other classes that are better than it, for instance, 2012 was was better than this class in terms of numbers, um, but it had over a thousand more points at quarterback, right? So when you sort of take that out of there, um, it's it's on par. Same, all basically any class that has been ahead of them, it, been ahead of this class, it has been lapped uh, in terms of quarterback uh, quarterback numbers. So. Uh, just a really, really good class. Um, and, you know, just some other ways I've looked at it is, um, you know, just take out the, uh, the guys that are, um, just take the, the threshold essentially of, of guys that are, um, above the baseline in terms of, um, first round picks, um, and second round picks. Uh, in terms of the NFL draft, uh, in terms of rookie drafts. And it's just a really, really good, you know, number. You basically see there's um, this year you see guys uh, going in, um, you know, there's basically 28 guys that, that are above average. It's actually 29 when you can count Lynn Bowden as a running back that go uh, that warrant uh, top two round uh, historical ADP. Um, that's the best uh, ever. So, um, you know, that's the best going back to 2000. So just the level of depth and the quality of, of 
of this this roster um, of this team or of this year. This is the best running in terms of wide receivers. 13, that's the best uh, that there has been since 2000 um, above that threshold. And that's a threshold of 67 overall in the NFL draft. Um, it's the fifth best running back one. Um, but when you combine them all together, it's the best ever. So, um, you know, that is just a, a, an excellent and, and the funny part is, is you get some running backs in day two that, um, you know, just that really doubled down this class. I mean, as the draft was going on, it just got better and better in terms of, you know, the, the, the volume of running backs on day two. And when I was sitting there watching it, we're doing the, I was on the UTH live stream and just, and, and thinking about it as it was happening, it, it was, you know, it's going quick and you know, it's a shorter clock as it goes along and you don't have the ability to, to digest the, the full on class as I'm sitting. And I woke up the next morning and I looked and I was like, it's just unbelievable how many running backs went off. And once really the AJ Dillon to the Packers you know, that really broke the dam in terms of running backs coming off in the second round. I wasn't sure in the the third round in the second day, I wasn't sure that that was going to happen. But once I saw AJ Dillon come off in the second round, I said, this could, this could turn running back friendly really quickly. Um, And fortunately it did. So, um, so yeah, it's a, it's definitely a, a very, very, uh, very good class, very intriguing class. Um, you know, one of the better first rounds ever. 14 guys qualify in the first round uh, with with pedigree that would be above average in the first round of a rookie draft, a start one rookie draft. Uh, and I mean, that's just a, it's just a, <laughs> it's just a really, really good year. And you know, I, I think that has some 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 positive implications in terms of some of the decisions that you can make. I mean, I wouldn't be wedded to trading up. You know, you can get away with, you know, they're making this isn't a class that you need to go up and get to 102 and mortgage multiple picks in the first round to get there because there's there's quality talent, you know, and there's a Zeke Elliott or a Saquon Barkley. Um, I think that was a little bit of a lesser extent, but when there's a Zeke Elliott year where it's, you know, he's one and then there's a tear break and then there's essentially another tear break. Um, and then it's two, uh, you know, that level of class, it, it warrants, it warrants moving up a bit. Um, this just doesn't, to me, isn't really the class to do that in, um, just because it's, it is so rich with talent. That's not to say everyone's going to hit, but, it's just a it's a really good class um, to collect talent to really uh, fill the cupboards up uh, with with quality dynasty talent and, and go forward. So um, so yeah so um, so again this is you know just the 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 post draft show. I just want to shout out to one thing I'm I'm working on. It's a new project I'm really excited about. Uh, I have become a staff writer over at Football Guys. Uh, I have worked with Football Guys. It's been three off se- three seasons now of uh, doing recaps. I've recapped the Bills, and then I added, I think, the Lions, and then I added uh, the Bears. So I'm up to three teams. Um, and, you know, I was doing some training camp reports and became a staff writer. Um, and one of my first uh, 
bylines at football guys is the um, Chad Parsons over at UTH and I are joining together to do the um, he also a football guys staff writer um, are joining together to do a football guys dynasty podcast uh, so it's a new feature over at football guys they um, you know we, we brought it to them they're really really excited about this we are incredibly excited about it uh, it's a it's a new f- new medium new platform um, and, and a, I think the the ability to spread dynasty to a uh, a new and broader audience and so we're really really excited about that um, and what the future holds over there at football guys uh, you can find that show uh, we had our first show last week right after the NFL draft um, and then uh, you know every Tuesday night we do record on YouTube so you can watch the YouTube live stream similar to the audible it's the same stream so football guys uh, YouTube channel and, um, and it's the football guys uh, audio um, podcast feed wherever you get your podcast we're in there the football guys dynasty show so um, so go ahead and check that out um, it's a really fun thing that we're doing um, and I'm, I'm really really excited about uh, the the being able to grow the audience and to grow the game because it's it's better as a community as we get more people playing it so so yeah so that's um that's going on so go ahead check that out really excited about that and just a different place to get uh, analytics of dynasty content so um all right so one thing i wanted to in the second half of the show just talk about is the um is a couple of narratives that i've seen and one thing i've consistently studied in in dynasty and consistently studied in drafts and has shown up in data uh, and shown up in the books and has shown up when I do my research and try and prove things wrong and all these things is I don't think uh, it's a consistent trend for me is I don't think that we're particularly good at predicting the future and that might seem obvious um you know it's it's a difficult thing to do i'm not trying to be debbie downer but when you get really really harsh takes or really really convinced takes that x team had a bad draft you know what the heck are the packers doing um i think you have to be cautious about dropping the entire draft class from that team because what they're doing, we're not privy to that information. Right? We are not privy to what their plan is. From the outside, it might look suboptimal. But we don't know what their intent is. We don't know what, what the next 12 months for that franchise holds or the next 18 months. We don't know what their contractual obligations are going to be towards Aaron Jones, for example. Um, or what they think about him. And, you know, yes, he was uh, a top five running back last year in, in fantasy. But at the same time, it's a new coaching regime. Um, and, I mean, if you – I think the most – the easiest conclusion to come to, um, outside of just saying that they had a really dumb draft, right, you can do that. Or you can think critically about it and say, what what is what they did reflect, right? If if they were thinking rationally, what what is their 
what was their process? It speaks to me that they're trying to change the guard. Right, that they're that the guy the people that were on quote scholarship or that, that were under the old regime, that they're dissatisfied with them in some way. Right. That's the other thing that you can draw from it. So yeah, Aaron Jones was fine in, in the first year of the new coaching staff, but that's not really how they see the position going forward. Aaron Rodgers was great under the last coaching staff, but there's plenty of evidence to suggest that he is not the same quarterback that he was five years ago. And the analytics community has been on that, pushing that. Um, ben Baldwin has been one of the bigger uh, voices from The Athletic uh, discussing that. And so the, the idea that they were acting, that they had a bad draft, we don't know that. And we don't know that right now. Um, and so I would just be really careful about, about docking players or thinking about players in terms of, um, you know, oh, week one, they can't start. They spent a top 65 pick on a running back that's on a LeBron James-like athletic profile. Let me say that again. <laughs> they started a, uh, they spent a top 65 pick in the NFL draft on a running back who, whose athletic comps would include people like LeBron James in terms of speed, in terms of jumping ability. I mean, that, that just, those don't grow on trees, those profiles. Um, so to think that they are just absolutely irrational, I think misses the boat. And it's it's simple analysis and it's narrative-based analysis. But one of the easiest things to to get an edge in Dynasty is to reject is to reject the premise, right? Is to reject the groupthink, and to to say, you know, listen, there's there's availability there. Uh, or there is a there is an opportunity here if I'm willing to think differently than everybody else. And when you do that, one of the things about having different strategies or a, or a contrarian strategy, um, whether that's roster construction, whether that's the type of players that you want uh, want to own, whether that's the type of players that you avoid, all of those all of those things, when you're different, um, and that's not to be different for different sake. But when you are different, when you come to a different conclusion, when you say, hey, listen, everyone's zigging, but, but there's value on the zag, right? When you do that, if the system fails, right, if, if, if the premise which everyone else built their team on is wrong, or that they built their decision on is wrong, you're in the position to capitalize. So you have to think about it in in this context of you know of of these team builds and, and how you're going to evaluate teams and 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 situations. Think about what happens if everyone's wrong. Think about that in terms of making decisions about players and how you might rank them. 
if everyone thinks one thing, what's the what is the value in being on the other side of it? How does that shape out? And I think a lot about a lot about that in terms of in terms of players to to pick in terms of positions to um, target and, and startup drafts, all of these things. I think that critical thinking is really, really key um, to, to having a high-end uh, dynasty outcome. Um, so that's that's really something I think that, that goes – there's a lot of groupthink, and there's a lot of uh, narratives that, that get – just accepted as true that I found in the data aren't true. Uh, and I think rookie draft time in particular about situation is, is a great example of that. And if you don't, like, if you just say, if you don't think that's true, just think for a second about the, the, some of the changes that we have seen at the wide receiver position recently. <laughs> and just think about some of the, uh, some of the, the difference in terms of, um, you know, what we have seen for the the changeover at that position. So, Odell Beckham Jr., call it 36 months ago, call it 24 months ago, um, dominant wide receiver one, probably the wide receiver one in terms of all of Dynasty. Um, no, po- you know, he's going to be a, this is, you know, long-term extension with the Giants, right? No, there's no chance that that happens. He's gone. Antonio Brown, you know, people drafted, uh, you know, they drafted Juju Smith-Schuster, and there's, you know, no way Juju Smith-Schuster's ever going to see the volume necessary to be a wide receiver, and, and it causes his, you know, his stock to fall. And lo and behold, Antonio Brown has now played for uh, the Raiders, and the Patriots, and is now out of the, you know, not not owned on a team. You know, in 36 months that happened. So, and it's been, I mean, that's 36 months later, right? <laughs> um, that's, and it feels like a lot longer than that because there's been so much drama. But you get the idea. I mean, just the amount of, you know, DeAndre Hopkins has been traded. Um, you know, David Johnson's been traded. Um, these were guys that, that 24 months ago were elite dynasty players. 36 months ago were elite dynasty players. Um, you know, so you just think about that and, and just the, the change that, that can happen so quickly. And to just presume that, that what is, exists now is going to exist in perpetuity um, or that isn't going to change, or that teams aren't thinking about how these things are going to change, uh, is is just not a strategy that has reflected the reality in recent years. So Odell Beckham Jr., DeAndre Hopkins, uh, Antonio Brown, all of these guys have have moved teams. Um, you know, Al- heck, Allen Robinson moved teams. You know, just just those things, um, those you know, those high uh, high value guys. Um, all of that movement has happened, and you just think about 
when you're when you're making these decisions and when you're thinking about these uh, you know these picks and just presuming that so and so can never get an opportunity because he's blocked right now that's just the NFL is not for long and I think that's a really really um, critical thing to always keep in mind so um, and so that goes with with particularly with running backs and the opportunities that, that they um, provide. Um, and just think about how a couple of weeks ago we would have, you know, there was the the idea that Dallas or that Michael Gallup would fall, you know, 50 picks in startup valuation because the NFL draft was pretty unlikely. But that's a reality now. And he came off of a 1,000-yard top 24 finish last year. And they just drafted a wide receiver in the first round of the NFL draft that just broadsided his value. So those things happen on the bad side. They also happen on the good side. Um, And the fact that a a running back situation might be clouded in May. Um, We don't know when the NFL season is going to start. And so just thinking about the profiles of players and just start there. Start there and thinking about the profiles of players and thinking about what the profile reflects in terms of a long-term investment by a team, a multi-million dollar investment by a team. And presume that they're just not picking people at random, that there is some strategic basis to how they're acting. Because there is, uh, we might not think it's a good one, but there is. Um, so that's something that I, I would really, um, you know, caution people on. The other thing too, that I've seen a lot of is the, the notion that running backs are just not being drafted that high you know, that the NFL is dropping, uh, you know, it's just, is, is dropping, uh, running backs in terms of not valuing them highly because they're replaceable. That just doesn't seem to be true. Uh, and you know, you look at, let's, let's put, the Mount Rushmore of analytics in the NFL, uh, you know, uh, in, in a group, right? And any four or five of them that you would construct would be highlighted by the Patriots, the Eagles, uh, and the Ravens. And you might be able to throw a couple other teams in there in terms of, uh, you know, a top five. But pretty clearly to me, those three teams are in the top five in terms of forward-thinking roster construction, forward-thinking decisions, and all of those things. What have what do they all have in common? They've all drafted, uh, included in the Patriots twice. They have all drafted running backs in the uh, in the top uh, two days of the NFL draft in the past three years. And the Patriots went in round one, um, and then went in round three with Damian Harris. So they went round one with Sony Michelle, and then the next year with uh, they took Damian Harris, and the other two spent top. 60 picks on running backs. The idea that the NFL is just is is just not drafting running backs early is just not true. Uh, it's just not something that we've seen in terms of measuring trade value. Um, like I said earlier with the Jimmy Johnson trade chart, like you, st- it is not this linear trend downwards. Um, and isn't the I think there's there's uh, if you were to think about it I think there's there's an economic incentive to the the way that they are acting, 
And why would the why would the Green Bay Packers select AJ Dillon where they did? Maybe it's because they don't want to pay Aaron Jones. And the lesson from this this era of running back contracts is that you don't want to pay them a second contract. And if you can move up a little bit in the draft, take them higher, take them where you have a better chance of hitting with them, of getting productive play out of them as a rookie, the financial incentive of doing that is really, really good because you have, you do not have to, you can let a free agent walk. You don't have to pay a free agent or a a player that is going to be a free agent. You can let that person walk. That might be some of what is going on. And I think that that is a really, um, I think that's a, you know, we didn't see, we didn't see high picks this year. And I don't think it's because they weren't capable of going high. Like DeAndre Swift and Jonathan Taylor and, and honestly Cam Akers and J.K. Dobbins, they all had profiles that were perfectly capable of being first round picks historically. But what happened, I think, to a large degree, is that there there's a saturation in the running back market. Running back position's pretty good right now in terms of there's not a lot of teams with needs. There wasn't a lot of teams with needs up at the top of the board. They have good running backs. And it's not the fact that they the class was bad or that teams are making a different, you know, a, a strategic or a structural change in terms of their their running back drafting. It's that they just didn't have a need to fill because the position's really good because these teams had spent top <laughs> top 32 picks a lot of them in the past uh, couple of years or top 60 picks um, in the last you know handful of years there's a there's a rich uh, talent pool and because of that it pushes the position down so that's a narrative that I've seen I just don't think it's true um, and and when you think about it, what's the flip side of it being true, right? If, if, it's, if it's not true and everyone thinks it's true, isn't there some rational – there's probably a rational decision going on in terms of why teams are acting the way they are, why smart teams, why teams that consistently draft well, that are consistently in the playoffs, that consistently uh, perform above their peers. There's probably a rational reason why they act the way they did. So I think that's just a uh, an interesting thing to consider. I, it's probably an economics decision to some degree, but I'm interested to see some of these people that are smarter than me in terms of the economics and the business of football do some of this analysis because it's a it's a consistent trend that we're seeing. Um, and so the idea that you know we should just reject oh teams aren't going to draft running backs high that just really hasn't happened. So. Um, yeah, so I just I wanted to discuss that um, in, in terms of that in, in terms of the draft in terms of a, a reaction uh, reaction piece. So, um, well, that'll pretty much do it for the show. I want to talk bigger picture. Um, I do have I I've broken out all the all the the rookies and <clears throat> done rookie strategy, and I've got all the the data over on the Patreon side. You can go find that. It's up to date um, live tracking data on some of these drafts. Um, and I'm going to have uh, a whole trough coming out of drafts starting on uh, that start on Monday. So I'll be building that 
um, over the over the weekend and have it ready to roll for Monday morning when some of these drafts go off so I can we can have some data um, so you can be on the lookout for that so get in on that and you know get in on the uh, get in on the patreon side for all that data all the podcast content I'm recording a podcast each day through the at least the 15th of May um, and just to give you have you covered for rookie drafts and all that stuff and then at some point after that I'll probably phase back to three or four a week in terms of the the high end, um, you know, in terms of the, the dynasty, uh, and the champion podcast tier or the Patreon tier. So I'll still have you covered in terms of content, but looking at some more bigger things in terms of, um, as the news you know, dwindles back down a little bit without any drafts going on or, or without any NFL draft going on or the, um, you know, no OTAs or mini camps or anything like that right now, I'm going to look at some bigger research projects. There's definitely some things that I have found in data that I want to dive into um, and take a little bit more of a strategic approach to the off season in terms of some of the content over there. So, um, and we'll have you covered for startup drafts. I've got startup draft tracking data um, that people are using and really, really exploiting drafts. Um, it's, it's, I think, highly valuable. A lot of people have made uh, very successful um, and valuable uh, draft decisions based on that data and, and what we have to offer over there on the Patreon side. So um, go ahead, check all that out um, and, ch- ch- you know, get in for the Sunday night, uh, Sunday night show. And if we don't see you then, I hope to see you over on the Football Guys show. Um, and until next time, keep embracing the variants. We will talk again soon.